Welcome to New Hope's Sermon of the Week. We truly hope you're blessed as you listen to this week's message. Oh, well, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of life here happening. Um, we're actually a little concerned because this is the dead of summer and it's almost full. So when we go into September, if you don't get here a little early, you might not have a seat. So that's just a little thought there. Yeah, we might have to buy more seats. So I guess there's worse problems. But good thing we got new chairs this year, huh? Yeah, right? Um, so we have the privilege today of really meeting a new um, a member here of this church, and not just a member, but a leader. And you know, every once in a while, God brings people who is very clear to all of us that it's like you know, they come right in and they are, have a gift and something to add into this. We have a lot of leaders here, but we do need to be open to, to even those on the outside uh, who God would have join us and be part of what God is calling us to do and actually bring experiences and giftings and things here that maybe some of us don't have. So I would just ask you to kind of have a really open heart today and receive um, one of the things Joy and I took over as senior leaders back in April, and one of the major things on our heart was getting a youth director. And we've been praying about that. We've had uh, some over the years here, we, but we've had a couple, maybe two years without really a firm leader in that position. But we've had a great youth team that is assembled, and kind of God got things ready before he brought like the person who was going to be the point person. So if you're one of the youth leaders, can you stand one of the youth leadership team? Christina, Aaron, Perry, Ben, Shar in the back there. So these are great. These, these people, I mean, they're ministering with youth often two, three Sundays a month. You're, they're meeting in the rooms back there. They're doing all these events. I mean, they're going kayaking here in August. They've had lots of fun events. And if you are a part of the youth group here, you're in the youth group, stand up. We just want to see you wherever you guys are. Everyone stand up. All the youth group members. So we got a bunch here. All right. Ah, there it is. Okay. Ah, there they are. More is hopping up. Okay. You know, and it's really interesting. We started praying into this thing, Joy and I, with the pastoral team, saying, you know, uh, we just felt like there's tons of kids that are just going to come up out of children's ministry and go into youth, and we don't want to drop the ball. So it's been in all of our hearts to say, like, we got to have something here in place to keep pouring into these youth and pouring into these kids that have gotten so much in the gold mine. Um, and uh, so it's really exciting to hear what we're going to hear. Uh, but God has brought a great team in place, and uh, we were praying, who is this person? Like, is it someone inside here? Is it, you know, who's this leader going to be, this point person that's going to bring this experience and connect with the hearts of the youth? Um, so it's it just it kind of a long story of things that have happened, and, you know, Ben and Crystal, Ben's going to be sharing here in a moment. They've been very, very, like, faithful leaders at New Covenant in Penfield, for many years, and God was just kind of stirring some fresh things in their heart, and also here, so it was kind of like we were both going the same direction, and it was just uh, very, very good timing. So uh, we're very thankful for it. We sent out just kind of an update this week saying, Ben, you know, Ben and Crystal, you know, um, they're a dynamic couple if you get to know them, Ben and Crystal. Crystal's a leader. She's led prophetic ministry and children's ministries at church. I mean, 
it's like, you know, a really a great level of leadership. But Ben is going to be kind of the point person for the youth. You know, they have three small kids. Crystal's going to be doing some school and just kind of seeing what God is doing and stirring in her heart. Um, but uh, if you, when you hear some of their story, uh, just of where they've been and where they've traveled, they've been with, in Mozambique with Heidi Baker and Iris Ministries, with Global Awakening and Randy Clark for several years. They came back there, and it, you led the prophetic ministry there, the prophetic teams at Randy Clark Global Awakening in Pennsylvania's uh, ministries for four years. They've been youth pastors. They've been in the Amazon for six months doing Project Amazon. I mean, just really cool stuff. So what they're bringing here is this heart for kids, for youth, but also for missions. And this place has had a major impact on uh, countries all over the world. So I feel like God's going to be even using some of that and that background, too, to stir some fresh things here, even in, you know, our heart's got to be bigger even than this place. You know, it's bigger than just New Hope. It's about pouring into the world and, and the places that God highlights in, you know, global missions and things. So we want to have an impact. So uh, it's kind of an added bonus, I think, you know, for them, but... Um, but we get to hear a little bit of his heart today, and I, th- I tell you, I mean, you could, I could talk about his experience and stuff, but you know, if you get to know him, and you just get to know the quality of just this awesome heart, uh, you would want him connecting with your youth. And I would not release someone to preach from the stage who I wouldn't let minister to my own kids. Uh, and that's kind of a, a thing that we always have here, and we say is, you know, if I wouldn't let someone minister to my kids, then they're not good enough to serve in a ministry. I mean, I, I don't want them serving in a ministry, you know, so... Uh, but I, as parents, it's like, wow, I, I feel so honored that, you know, he's going to be able to pour into our kids. So give a warm welcome to Ben Valance. Well, good morning. I'm excited. Um, Steve called me this week, and he's like, "Hey, like um, your vision for the youth is crazy. Just like let's like just kind of like slow down a little bit." Um, kind of a fun thing to to get word of wisdom from the the leader to tell you to like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So um, I'm excited. Um, pretty much as soon as I said yes, the Lord's just been downloading just vision and just um, stuff for the youth and just for the church, and I'm just I, I am pumped. Um, so I'm not going to share it today. We're going to just leave that for a little bit, but, um, it's just been fun of just late nights and the Lord just downloading stuff and just showing me things. And, um, it's just been awesome. And it was, it was cool to see like, yes. And just like, God's like download. Um, so it's just been, it's been good. Um, I'm a little tired today. Uh, last night was a little rough. Um, about one thirty in the morning, uh, we heard a car horn beeping, 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 and I was like, it's some crazy kid, like, they're gonna wake up my whole house, and then my wife looked out the window, and the house, not directly behind us, but two over behind us, was all in flames, and, um, so we're, like, freaking out, like, oh my goodness, so I threw on clothes, rushed over there to make sure everyone got out of the house, um, and it was interesting to see, like, in the moment of crisis, to see how people reacted, you know, like, I was sitting there, my first thought was to make sure everyone got out, and so I was asking neighbors, like, hey, are they out? Are they out? Like, did they get out of the house? Is everyone gone? Like, just everyone I could talk to until finally I realized that they got out, and the neighbors next to them got out. It was such a big flame that the house next to them, I'm surprised, didn't catch on fire. It was incredible. Um, Just a crazy experience. So I got very little sleep last night, um, but I'm feeling good. So, uh, yeah, so... 
it, it was a little intense. My kids were freaking out because daddy ran over there and, you know, poor daddy didn't bring his cell phone so his wife couldn't see if I ran in the house with being on fire or what was going on. So she called my parents and parents came over to find me and I was okay. I didn't run in the house, uh, but it was a little intense. So, um, but yeah, it, it was interesting. But today we're going to do a little bit different thing from that. I just kind of like sharing that because I like sharing something to get me talking before I actually go into the message. Um, it's a little, it's a little, you guys can take that tip. It, it settles you a little bit. Um, so let's pray and we'll jump into it. Lord, we thank you for today, Father God. We thank you for this time. And Lord, I ask you to just come and just speak through me, Father God, and that we can just be touched, Father, by what you have to bring today, Father God. We just give this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so about me, uh, I've had an interesting like, upbringing in just life. I, I was, I, I pretty much, I call myself the mutt of Christianity. And what I mean by that is, is I grew up Catholic, Free Methodist, Baptist. Like I was, I was in all of them. And how that came about is I loved going to youth group. <laughs> loved it. And my parents were so awesome that basically if I found a youth group that I was connected to and wanted to go to, like, we would literally uproot the family and go start going to that church because I just was like, they were excited that their son was on fire for Christ. And so I would literally go to, like, youth group after youth group. I would have so many youth group events going on that when I would actually not do my homework or be in trouble, my parents would ground me from youth group. Now, that seems a little backwards, Right? But I was at, like, youth group, like, almost every night. So it wasn't really that big of a deal at all. Sorry, I can't go tonight, right? But I'm sitting here like, no, Mom, like, oh, like, youth group. And, like, it would wreck me. Like, it was a good punishment. And, I, and like, I just loved being in youth group and being in his presence no matter what church it was at. And so at a very young age, I, re- I received the Lord. And at 13, I went on my first missions trip. And my, my father went with me two years in a row. And... Our first trip was to Honduras, and at 13 years old, I, I'm going overseas, and I'm excited. I'm just, like, pumped up. I mean, 13, like, that's, that's young to go overseas. Um, but there, something changed. You know, I already had a passion. I already had, like, just this fire inside of me. But going overseas and, and being on the mission field just lit me on fire even more. And it was cool to see just, like, Father God and and just who he is, and, and in the moment, and going there, you know, we were sitting there, and we had this team, and it was awesome, I was excited about it, 13 years old, I was like the crazy hyper kid, and we're hiking up a mountain with packs, and we're just like, I'm running along on this mountain up the trail, and we get like halfway up the mountain, and the, the crew we had was like, you know what, like this will be like, I don't know, a couple hour hike, well, like three, four hours into it, right, was he, right dad, three, four hours into it, we're literally like there, and we're like, you guys are halfway up the mountain. We're like, what, what was this two, three hours, and we're there thing? Like, what happened here? And we had some people on our team that were just not built for hiking up a mountain. We'll be honest. And there was two of them in particular, like, we physically cannot go on. And we're sitting here halfway up this mountain, and like, what do you do? You can't go finish the way to the village or go down because they can't physically do it. And so at 13, we're sitting here, and we're, I'm talking about it with, like, my pastor, and, like, what do we do? Like, ah. Oh. And it was in that moment of crisis that kind of just that still calmness came in. And you're like, you know what? Let's not freak out. Let's just pray. 
And I saw at 13 how very real God is alive. And we sat down on that side of the mountain, we prayed, and we just asked Father God, like, help. And as we're sitting there, as soon as we say amen, it wasn't like five minutes after or anything that was like, amen, boom, prayer answered. It was amazing. Amen. And this gentleman comes up the hill with donkeys. I mean, it was like straight out of the Bible. It was like donkeys. I think one was talking, you know, it was like, hey. And they're coming up the hill. And the cool thing was there was three of them. We had two people that couldn't physically go anymore, and one where they put their packs on it. And the two people that couldn't go anymore rode donkeys up the side of the mountain. I was like, my legs hurt. Oh, I want to go out, you know, like, I wanted to ride one. It was so cool. But like in that moment, at 13, I saw how real God was and how alive he was in that moment. We sat there. We didn't know what to do. I mean, we're going to carry them the rest of the way up the mountain or down, like, what And amen, and Papa sends donkeys. It was awesome. And in that moment, at 13 years old, I was like, wow, my Papa is alive, and he loves me. And I felt his love in that moment because he didn't just leave us stranded on the hillside, and we didn't say amen, and nothing happened. Amen, and he sent aid. To his children. Yeah. It was amazing. It was so cool. So we get up the rest of the way up the mountain and we get there and we're doing skits with the kids and we're handing out, you know, shoes and all kinds of stuff. And I realized, like, when we got to the village, this was awesome. <laughs> well, for me it was, I guess. And I start opening my pack and I didn't pack it, right? I had, like, just my clothes and then someone else packed. I don't know if the youth leader, I don't remember who packed it. And my pack had all the Bibles in it. Do you know how heavy a hiking pack full of Bibles is? Give it to the hyper kid. Didn't slow me down one bit. I'd run up the trail, run back. Oh, it was cool. There's like a waterfall over here. Run back down. Didn't slow me down a bit. There was some good leadership in that. There was. I didn't feel no difference. I was running around. And then you, can, you look at someone else's pack and they had all the diapers. <laughs> Seemed unfair. Like maybe like half and half, you know? So we get there and we're handing out all this stuff. And one thing that really hit me was we're handing out shoes. It was so cool. We're up in this mountain village and we're just handing out these shoes. And people are like trying them on to see what when they fit them. And, you know, was it comfortable? And it was like the coolest experience to see like their faces with getting these brand new shoes of people who like either had shoes that were like falling apart or like no shoes whatsoever. And the joy they had to receive these shoes, it was so amazing. And there was this one gentleman, I forget his name, I have a picture somewhere, I'll have to find it because I don't remember if it was that trip or not, but I think I had bleach blonde hair at the time. Um, But this gentleman, he had one leg and he was trying on shoes and he couldn't find one that fit him. And I'm sitting there at 13, I'm looking at him, and I'm like, man, I was like, I'm, I'm watching him. And there's no shoes that fit him. And I look down at my feet, and I look over at him, and I go, I was like, translated, I can't speak Spanish. And I was like, what size shoe does he wear? And don't you know it was the exact same size shoe as I was wearing? I had Airwalks on. Everyone remember Airwalks? Yeah? They're cool shoes. You know? <laughs> so I looked down at him, and I said, I 
I said, hey, see if this, this fits. And I took it right off my foot. And I gave it to him. He put it on. It was a perfect fit. And I tell you what, that smile that he had on his face yeah. to receive a shoe That won't ever leave me. I walked down the mountain with one shoe on. I didn't care. Because that man felt the Father's love from that shoe. And I tell you what, he's not going to be the same. You see, love looks like something. Love looks like something. And in that moment, just giving a shoe, I could go home and get another shoe, who cares? But it touched that man so greatly to receive a shoe in that moment. He's never going to be the same. After that mission trip, I went on next year to Honduras again with my father, and again, I was still the crazy one, and cliff diving and waterfalls and all kinds of stuff. My mom was there. She'd probably be like, why did you let him cliff dive? It was crazy. It was fun. But I tell you what, being there and having that choice at a young age to show Father's God love changes you. Whether you're on the mission field or at home, having the opportunity to show Father God's love. It messes you up. You see, he could do it all. He could go and he could go out and get everyone saved and pour his love and his peace and his grace and everyone healed. But he calls us to be co-laborers, co-heirs with him. Do you know how cool that is to be able to be partakers in pouring out his love into his people. It's an honor and a privilege. And it messes you up to release that into people. It messes you up. I don't know if I would be standing before you right this second if I didn't have those experiences with Bob. being able to show his love, being able to be a carrier of it and just to release it in opportunities like that. But you know what? It's a choice. Papa could be calling you to do something and it's a choice. It's your choice to say yes. He's not forcing you to release his love. He's not forcing you and saying you have to do this or else. He gives you opportunities and it's your choice to say yes, Papa. I could have said, no, that's my shoe. I don't, I don't have an extra pair. It's my favorite air walk. But in that moment, I said, yes, Papa. And I gave my shoe, and it transformed me. It changed me. It, it did something in me that is just undescribable in words of just being able to be partaker of that and feeling God's love. In that moment, it was like me looking at a son or a daughter in Christ and being like, oh, here you go. It changes you. 
but it also changes that person that felt Father's God love. Love looks like something. I saw a Facebook post. I love Facebook. Facebook is, you know, there's a lot of cool things on there. There's a lot of weird things, but it's a lot of cool things. Did anyone see the post of the one man giving away sandals and it says, love is a verb? Did anyone see that? I think that's so fitting, right? Verb, action. We use love so much as a noun and it's just like this, this thing, this person, this this. This is love. But love is a verb. It takes action. It takes action. I loved it. It was a great post. I was like, oh, this is so cool. Did you know that having a great marriage takes work? To be his son or daughter... Love takes action to let it out. But you know what's awesome about it? It doesn't take work in this conjuring up, in this, ah. You're just his son and daughter, and it's just easy to just release. In fact, you're leaky people. There's times where you don't even realize you're releasing God's presence in places because you're just carry it. It's true. You just leak his presence. There's like holes in you and stuff. Like you're just like, that just happened. Cut that from the video. You're leaky people. Do you know that love also not looks like something, but love also corrects? And you know what hits me so much is John 4 when Jesus is talking to the Samaritan woman at the well. Does that story not blow you away? Here Jesus is talking to a woman that he's not even supposed to be talking to. And calls out all of her junk. All of her stuff, her baggage. I mean, calls it out. And he says, just so you know, don't, don't tell me when I'm here. Like, like I, don't, I don't want to know. Like, you know. And she was so blown away by this action that she tells everybody in the village, this man showed up and just read my junk. Read all of my sins. It was awesome. What? what? But what that speaks to me is how it was done. Yeah. It was done out of love. He still corrected. He still took up that baggage and said, hey, this is wrong. But he did it in a, such a way that she was so blown away by it that she told everybody It was so cool. He took all my baggage, all my sins, and all my garbage. He showed it all to me. You gotta go see this guy. It was amazing. People were like, really? Like, I don't know if I want to call all my sins out. Like, but love corrects in a way that doesn't make sense in the natural. 
doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to go up to someone and be like, I see you have this problem, this problem, this problem, and man, you should really stop doing that. Someone in, in the natural will be like, get away from me, you jerk. But love corrects in a loving manner. It's not going over and being like, how dare you? But it's praying and asking, Holy Spirit, I saw this about someone. How do I tell them that in a way that spurs them towards Christ and empowers them towards Christ to get out of this situation and not feel beat up in how dare you? Do you see the difference? We condemn so much and God is saying, no, it's this way. You empower them to get them out of that junk. To step up into a place of empowerment as sons and daughters of the living God. Not beat up in how dare you. He called out all of her junk. Guys, I can't get over this. It, It blows me away. I don't think I'd be shouting from the rooftops like it was awesome. He pulled all my sin out. But it was done in love and empowerment. And she felt like, ah, that breath of fresh air. But he corrected. See, I think sometimes we think of love and we think it's this thing of just accepting everything. It's not what it is. It's not. Love looks like something, and it also brings correction, but in the right way, because it empowers and set people free from bondage. I mean, I could drop Mike down, like, it sets people free from bondage. You see, the enemy loves to just get people in this place of, you're the only one dealing with this. You're the only person that goes through this situation. Don't tell so-and-so because they're going to think it's so messed up that you're doing this because you're the only one that has this problem. But you see, God is saying, get in counsel with your leaders and people you trust and lay these things out there saying, hey, I have this problem. So they can get beside you in love and build you up and help you out of that situation. Because I tell you what, You're not the only person that is dealing with whatever situation might be going on. There's someone that dealt with it before. It's not just you. And he wants, the enemy wants to keep you in the dark so you feel like you're alone in in bondage and caught up in here when God wants to bring into the light with leadership that can empower you and set you free so you can live empowered lives. So we can stop moping around all the time and get to this place of just... Fourth Corinthians thirteen thirteen. The greatest of these is love. That's a very abbreviated. There's a lot going on in that chapter. But love, being there, makes a difference. Love brings the character. Love brings, you know, the humility the servant heart, the peace, all this stuff, love. If it's not done with love, it's, it's almost like, what's the point? 
There was a, a time where uh, I heard this. Hottie Baker was ministering in, I don't know where she was. She was in some country. And there was a gentleman that she wanted to minister to. And the pastor she was with was like, oh, don't, don't, don't mess with him. He's a, he's a Muslim and never receive it. We've tried, we've tried, we've tried. And she was like, whatever, I'm just going to love on him. The pastor was like, no, no, he won't receive it. He won't receive it. And it was literally almost became like an argument of, no. I'm going to love this man. And it was this back and forth, and I couldn't, I, I was like shocked by this. But Heidi would not say no, and she loved this man no matter what the world said. There's some people that might look like people who are unlovable or untouchable or just like, why even bother? God cares. God cares. And every single person is reachable. Just some you have to dig a little deeper. Plow that field a little more. Plant some more seeds, some more water. Yes, it's ultimately their choice. They can say no. But everyone is reachable. At some point, my wife said, I loved it. It was the coolest thing ever. It was a great analogy. It's like a water table. Different places and are different water tables, right? In the desert, it's deeper than in like the swamp, you know? But he, she said that every person like, has this water table. And you just have to dig deep enough until you hit that water. And then they go, oh, I understand. And the veil comes back. And it's, they're undone. You don't know what's been going on, what seeds have been planted, what, how much digging's happened. You could be the first person that talks to that person, or you could be the one that finally gets that breakthrough. But you all play a part in people's salvations and coming into contact with the Father's love. And you know what is so crazy about all of this stuff? As we let the enemy with this just talk, put that fear, that thing on us that just completely paralyzes us. Do you know that we're talking about eternity or not with Christ? Does it matter if that person rejects you? No. Because you talking to that person and pouring out God's love could mean that they could have a relationship with a living God and spend eternity with Him. That's a long time. I mean, it's crazy. I'm like, I live maybe a hundred years. I'm talking about infinity forever. Like, I could be in heaven for like a thousand years and just, it's just begun. My, like, it's crazy. But yet we let the enemy with this little small talk being like, well, that person might not receive you or they might not get healed or, or they, they might reject you. So what? So what? Who cares if they say no in that moment? You still planted that seed. 
You still sowed that seed in their life. So that at some point, hopefully they say, I understand. Love looks like something. What is it? Is it just saying hi to the person on the street, give them a handshake, a hug, open the door from someone, flying over to a fire at 1.30 in the morning to make sure everyone got out of the building, telling someone an encouraging word, feeding someone on the street. Love looks like something. When you're in Africa... This is such a cool story. I love it. We would go to the grocery store. See, we, we were fed when we were in Iris. Rice and beans, that sand in it, and, you know, good stuff. But we like to go to the store to get, like, some extra stuff, like some bread and maybe some yogurt, some milk, you know, fruit. And <laughs> it was a chore to go shopping, it wasn't like you just like were jumping your car and you're there. You, you, we didn't have cars, so it was either walk forever or hitchhike in Africa. A little scary, but God, be with me. <laughs> so you get down to, the, to where the store is, and it becomes this shopping extravaganza. It's not like you go to Wegmans and everything's there. You literally go to like 20 different stores to get your whole grocery list. And they're like all over town. And this whole time you're walking. And you have just people constantly asking you for food because they're starving. It messes you up. And I remember Heidi saying, Heidi Baker saying, I never refuse water and bread, the necessities. And so I would go shopping, and I'd come home, and Crystal's like, well, did you get the bread? And I was like, well, I did, but I gave it all away. We were still fed. We had food. We didn't have our bread, but we were fed. And so I got this, like, epiphany, this thing. I was like, well, you know what? I was like, I know God wants these people fed. He doesn't want them going in hunger. He doesn't want them starving. But I was like, I don't want to give all my bread away and bring nothing home to my wife either. So I came, and I was like, man, what if I... Before I went shopping, ask God how many pieces of bread that he wants me to give away. Easy, right? So I would get his number. I'd tell him my number. I want to bring 20 pieces of bread home to me and my wife. And he's like, okay, so then buy 25 pieces. So that means I'm giving five pieces away. All right. So I tried this. Do you know that not one person more or less asked me for food? than that number I got. Not one more or one less. So I said, I want 20 pieces of bread. He said, okay, get 25. Five pieces, bull. Ask me for food. I gave five pieces of bread away. Came home with 20. Now, it doesn't take rocket science to think that up and to do this crazy equation and they're like, like hashtag square root. Like, it's just simply, Holy Spirit, how many people are going to need food today? Do you, do you see that? We, we make it so complicated sometimes to love or to, to show fathers, like, who Father God is. I want 20. How many do you want, God? You see, and then you start actually 
being this co-heir, this, this labor with Christ when you do that. Because you're not giving from a place of, I have absolutely, ah. You're going, well, I have this. How much do you want? Do you see the, you see the difference there? People still got fed. They were still blessed. But I still came home with what I needed is for my family as well. But it's because I stopped and asked Father God, how can I serve you today? You guys can do that here. Maybe it's not like necessarily saying, well, how many people are going to ask me for food today unless you go down to some crazy places, but God, good morning, Holy Spirit. How can I serve you today? Who do you want me to talk to today? Who do you want me to give an encouraging word to today? Who needs a touch of your presence today? Do you know that sometimes it just takes the words, God loves you, and someone can be completely undone? Really? Someone cares about me? Yes. I've heard stories of people who have just been told, God loves you, and they were literally just breakdown crying because they were literally going to go home and commit suicide. And someone said to them, God loves you. And they broke down and didn't do that thing. That's amazing. You just got to say, Papa, what do you want me to do? Who do you want me to talk to? And then when the opportunity arises, it's your choice. Say, let's do this. And I could talk for hours. I'm... <laughs> Man. Where's Jen? I don't see her. Can I have you come up with your team? So, <laughs> I got here pretty early and uh, I was just listening to practice and man, when they played that first song, it was incredible. I think it was actually in the worship set was the second song. Second? Um, can we play that song? The second one on your list, I'm not sure what it was. You know what it was, right? Um, And I want you to think of something. I want you to think of love looks like something. I want you to take the moment as we're praying the song and just in face-to-face with Father God. Papa, what can I do today for you? Is that cool? Yeah. Can we do that? Good. I'm telling you, this song is incredible. It's like as soon as that note is strummed, it's like. Poof. So just, I want you all to stand. Understand. And if you feel like you want to come up front, you're you're free to come up front.
If you want to stay where you're standing, that's fine. What we'll do is, uh, I'm not going to release you yet to get the kids because I want you to at least be here for the, the song, the first run through, okay? And as soon as the first one's there, I'll come back up and I'll pray. And I'll release you if you want to stay a little longer. I'm going to have the worship team stay a little longer. <laughs> Sorry, guys. All right, so let's really press in for that. I'm going to pray and they're going to start. Is that good? All right. Dear Lord, we thank you, Father God, for your presence, Lord. We thank you for your love, Father God. We thank you for just who you are. Father, we thank you for the honor of calling us as co-heirs and co-laborers with you. And Father, today I ask that we can just come to you and face to face with you, that our burdens would just fall off of us, Father God. And we can look straight at you and just say, Papa, what do you want me to do today? Who can I pray for? Who can I minister over? Who can I prophesy over? Who can I just love on today? And I want you this week to start thinking about that. Papa, what, what, how do I serve you? Sometimes it takes us just to ask. And he's right there be like, oh, I, I have this great opportunity for you. But it takes you to step up and to say, Papa, what do you want me to do? So this week, I, I, I encourage you to wake up and say, good morning, Holy Spirit. What do you have for me today? Where can I serve you today? What can I do for you today? And I, I'm telling you, if you do that, if you take that step, you're going to start seeing just amazing things. He's going to start speaking to you. And you're going to see just these opportunities unfold before you to talk to people, to pray into people's lives, and to see transformation. Opportunities arise inside of them. In Jesus' name. We really hope you enjoyed this week's message. Please join us again sometime and be sure to check out our exciting resources at newhopecom.org.